2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, can you believe it is time for our fall preview issue? Nope, because I feel like we just did the one for summer. Um, but there are huge stories happening across the dial in the months to come, and we have all the scoop in our new issue. So let's start with b which arguably was like the biggest story that we talked about this summer. Mm-hmm. So in the wake of that story um, and Thomas's fall, Ridge and Brooke are going to have a rocky road ahead. Uh, Bill and Katie are going to get a story of their own. Eric and Quinn will factor into the fallout of the Thomas story. And we will see more of the missing in action Avant family. Um, So on days, Eric and Nicole will reunite. But Sarah will discover she's pregnant, which could complicate their happy reunion. John and Marlena will notice that something is off with hope, which will lead to a bigger story as the fall unfolds. And the show is building to Jack getting his memory back. But there will be a very Jack and Jennifer type action adventure tale before that. And look for Chriselle Hartley to return as Jordan, um, who is getting a release from Bayview. Well, over on GH, Shiloh makes a last ditch bid for freedom
0: and Jason and Sam are on high alert to stop him. Franco, as Drew, is in hot pursuit of Kim, while Liz is determined to repair her family. Laura gets involved in Jackson Hayden's quest, uh, which involves the Cassidines, and Sonny and Carly are tested as they face the imminent birth of their child. On YNR, there is a shocking twist in the war between Adam and Victor that changes the dynamics of the Newman family. Nick makes a move against Adam that jeopardizes his relationship with Chelsea, Phyllis gets the last laugh against Abby and Chelsea, and Jill returns to help
2: Billy, but she may be too late. So translation, lots to watch coming up. Um, Now, another feature in the new issue is an amazing interview that you did with Christina Wagner, who is marking 35 years as GH's Felicia. Now, it's crazy to me because I literally remember her first scenes. I mean, clearly. And like, let me say, I was a huge Frisco and Felicia fan. Um, I might still have all I need in my iTunes library, (laughs) like the whole thing. Um, But, you know, she was super candid with you about working with Jack Wagner and their relationship on screen and off, you know, as well as her ups and downs over the years as Felicia.
0: You know, I went into the interview thinking that I would do it in the vein of the best in show pieces that we've been doing where we take a walk down memory lane with an actor and ask them about their favorite wedding, their favorite thing about working with their leading man, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes the person you're interviewing tells you what kind of interview it should be, if that makes any sense. And the Mm -hmm. truth is that with Christina, her journey with the show hasn't been all sunshine and roses and happy memories. And I appreciate very much uh, about her that she isn't going to pretend that it was, Uh you know. Um, I certainly don't want to imply that it was a negative interview because it wasn't. But as you said, she was very honest about both the positives and the negatives of being so closely identified as Felicia with the character of Frisco, um, when she in real life, you know, married and divorced the actor who played him, Jack Wagner. It was really interesting to hear her talk about her own sort of shifting relationship to the popularity of the Frisco and Felicia relationship. And she said that really her biggest regret about her 35 years on the show was Jack's return in 2013 when they brought Frisco back for GH's 50th anniversary. Uh, She felt like the story that was told at that time, gave short shrift to Frisco and Felicia and was really hard for their devotees to stomach. But at the same time, she admits that uh, with where they were in their personal relationship with one another at the time, she really wasn't ready to be working with him again. Mm-hmm. They're in a better place now. And she said that if he were to come back to the show now, they would have a blast. Mm-hmm. Um But there are some interviews that you think about for a long time after you do them, and this is one of those for me. She really has led a fascinating life and is such a strong and articulate person, and to get to be uh, like the person on the phone with her, I felt very lucky that day.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a great read. I think that sometimes we don't get to print on the record the candid things that the actors say to us, and I felt that... She really just approached this with, I'm really going to look back on my 35 years and give you, like, the true story of what happened. Right. Um, You know, another interview that we have in our new issue is with Robin Strasser actually our guest today, who has joined the cast of Days of Our Lives as Vivian Alamein. Now, Robin's replacing Louise Sorrell, who is actually a real-life friend of hers. Now, Robin is best known to soap fans as One Life to Live's Dorian Lord, a larger-than-life character who was so beloved by viewers. You know, she also appeared on Passions as Hecuba and Another World's Rachel, and had a memorable turn on my favorite primetime soap, Knots Landing.
0: It is so exciting to have Robin Strasser back in the daytime mix. She is truly soap opera royalty. I think I've mentioned before on the podcast that I have been known to do a YouTube deep dive into soap history before and one of my favorite places to land is One Life to Live in the mid 1990s where Dorian schemed with David Vickers to pass him off as the heir to Victor Lord's fortune while the true heir Todd Manning ended up with Dorian's niece Blair, much to Dorian's dismay. And since Vicky was suffering from major DID at the time, Dorian ended up being held captive by Vicky's altered Gene Randolph, it just may be my favorite soap storyline of all time. And not soapy at all. Not, not, not even the least bit calling upon any <laughs> of the tropes of soap opera. Uh-uh. Um, but it's just so freaking amazing to me that the same woman who played that story was also part of such a completely iconic soap opera triangle as the bad girl Rachel mm-hmm. in the Steve Alice Rachel Morass on Another World in the late 1960s. Just a remarkable imprint on daytime television. Absolutely. Well, let's get her on
2: the phone to talk about it. Hi, Robin.
1: Hello. What an honor to be talking to Soap Opera Digest.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) we are honored to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Uh, My pleasure.
2: So you are making your day's debut as Vivian Alamein. Uh, So first tell us, how did the role come about?
1: In a moment of madness, (laughs) somebody called my agent who had not called me in so long that i i didn't recognize his voice or his name it was hello it's bobby i said bobby who (laughs) he said bobby your agent i I covered quickly oh ah, hi bobby how how are you doing fine fine i'm calling because it's not an offer It's not an offer. But Days of Our Lives called. I should say it's a Friday, you know. Mm -hmm. They called, and they wanted to ask um, if they made an offer, could you be in Burbank on Thursday? I said, oh, that's six days from now. They're probably just on a fishing trip. Bobby, seeing who they can get if they need someone. Let's, you know, uh, tell them. Yeah, yeah, I, I can. I can be there. I don't travel easily. I, I can hardly get on a plane when I have 30 days' notice. But it was a moment of madness. And I, it's not an offer. He said, "They're just, you know." So on, um, I was sure I would hear nothing. And on Monday afternoon. Um, I get a call. Hey, it's Bobby. Now I know. <laughs> oh, Hiya, Bobby. How? What's up? And he says it's an offer. I said, really? Uh, what is it? He said, Well, well, well. Um, it's the role of Vivian, and I was like gobsmacked. In that, it is virtually impossible to replace Louise Sorrell. Impossible. And she's a buddy of mine. You know, I mean, w- 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 the two of us met about 30 years ago when Paul Rausch was trying to intimidate me into signing some contract with One Life to Live, and he went out to California, and he phoned me, and he said, I have found a superb actress, <laughs> a superb actress, and she is going to play your part if you don't sign. And so I said, not when he was on the phone, but I called the lawyer at ABC. I said, I'll be signing. I'm signing. But then Paul showed up in the makeup room with Louise Sorrell. He'd created a part for her. And he walks her over to me and he says, I want two magnificent actresses to meet each other. (laughs) And what I love in terms of women's empowerment is when somebody thinks they're going to pit two chicks against each other and we turn out to like each other and, like, get each other, I, I, you know, it was like, I, I think it's a victory. And she's been a real enhancement in my life. The only, only thing is we agree on almost nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> almost nothing. We're, 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 you know, Abbott and Costello, we, you know, and to come to think of it, I picked a good one because at, at this age, at 74, I've gotten kind of short and chubby. And Louise is tall as ever and slender. So she visited me in uh, July of 2018, and she's sitting in my kitchen, and she's talking about, unbelievable, Ken Corday invited me back. and I like, oh, But I'm not going to do it ever again. Oh, I just hate it. And I said, Louise, what you need is a nice condo you need you need you can get a little condo in toluca lake or burbank or sherman oaks or encino cuz she drives you know mm-hmm. you could even go to tarzana and she looked at me and she said my mother would turn in her grave if i lived in the san fernando valley <laughs> i said lulu your mother's been dead a long time <laughs> the valley has changed Oh no 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 no! I'm never going to do this. No, I, look, support the four, and I gave her that speech that I do ad nauseum. You know, you just 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 say anything about uh, critical about uh, days or Bolden the beautiful or you know, the, the remaining four, and I'm at you i mean I'm, I'm, I'm after you. there are four left there's n- there the the, the, the the job market for actors has shrunk so much um, it's just it's just a fact i i I might bore people or I might kind of you know get them to rally around the flag, and you too should do a stint on days of our lives like I did you know it's only fifty episodes, and nobody at Days is going to get mad at me for saying that. And they have um, created this way, uh, Ken Corday Productions, of uh, taping the show, and they, they go dark for a week or for two weeks, they do this, that, that, you know, and they make it work, and they're still on the air. So I really support them. Um, so, did you
2: tell Louise that you had gotten
1: uh, the role? Now that that um, uh, hold on, Theo Panglis, who I had never met, was like the first person I met in the hallway. You know, and he, I said, "Hello, oh Louise, adores you," and he said, "Did you tell her?" I said, actually, I didn't tell her until my plane had landed in Burbank. And I wrote her an email because I can't keep track of phone numbers, but she's on my email. So I I wrote, Lulu, you always said I was crazy. And I am because I agreed to play your part.
2: So is this a role you felt you could tackle?
1: I was always a character actress, you know, always. When I was an ingenue and they were making me so, well, I didn't think I was pretty. I look at pictures now and I go, Lordy, I I, I was pretty. But I didn't think so, didn't at all. And I'm a character actress. I'm an under... you know, they're telling me I'm an ingenue, but I'm, I'm, I'm really a character actress. Leading lady, the same thing. And that's part of the dynamics that worked on One Life to Live with Erica Slezak. I knew she was the leading lady, I was the best supporting actress in the Vicky-Dorian relationship (laughs) ever. But would I have nominated myself for Best Supporting? I laughed and said to somebody, no, because Dorian would haunt me in my dreams. No, she's a leading lady, Dr. (laughs) Dorian Lord, you know? So... Yeah, that's the fun of it. I I'm, I was one of those kids, little children, who early on, three and a half, I decided what I want to do is dress up and pretend I'm other people. And the more you let me dress up and the more I can step into a character that is not me, the happier I am. And how lucky am I that I'm 74 years old and the phone rang? Mm-hmm. So other
0: than meeting other than meeting Teo, what stands out to you about your first day in Salem um,
1: it, it, uh, it I had no idea what it would be like walking into that studio, and I was terrified because some Time at some point. I'm going. You're playing Louise Surrell's. This is this is This is you know self-emulation. You're crazy. This is, can't be done. Louise is Louise Oh, there's only one. Ah oh, 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 oh. And I'm like hyperventilating. It did not help that there was uh, awful unexpected weather in Burbank. Um, you had storms. Uh, of unknown, uh, of unheard of strength. The winds were blowing, palm trees were toppling, y'all. And uh, that was what I flew in from New York to, uh, the studio was freezing cold. Richard Bloor, who I've always depended on the kindness of costume designers, and I've been so blessed. Susan Gammy on One Life to Live, Jane Janiger on Passions, and Richard Bloor. Oh my goodness, and I knew when I walked in for the costume fittings, which were the first thing, I said, hello, Richard Bloor. Louise Sorrell speaks of you so lovingly, and he said, oh, we love her too. I said, and now you've got me. And he looked at me and he looked at all the clothes he pulled and he said, well, you exaggerated. You're not as big as you said you were. <laughs> <laughs> and so I fell in love with him. Yeah, who doesn't want and, to hear that? Right. And he and, and pulled out these marvelous costumes. And I just have a thing about accessories, you know. The, the, shoot me. I like things to match. And Ditto. he had necklaces and earrings. Yeah, I know. I'm Matchy-matchy is not a bad word as far as I'm concerned. And matchy can be coordinated. You know, you don't wear... But anyway, he had all this stuff and wonderful necklaces which detract from a tummy issue or whatever. Divine. And uh, uh, he, he, he it was such a pleasure to work with. Oh, yeah, I said... Um, Look, I'm I'm, kind of short, and um, my whatever's going on with pain issues, it's been in my feet for a long time. So I wear flats and uh, very wide. He he found shoes that effortlessly fit me, very lightweight platforms. Yes, I'm wearing black platform shoes that don't show that they're platforms. Genius. They're not heavy. I think I have to write him an email and say thank you. Now, what happened to those shoes? <laughs> <laughs> Can I buy them? Do you want to send them as a present in a little Zappos box? Something because I'm them, sure he would. It's divine. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like free stuff? Come on, there's nobody going to say I, I don't like free stuff.
2: <laughs> um, so you had a pretty. Impressive cast of characters to meet when you went to Salem. Um, who stands out to yeah. you uh, from your first couple of days? Well,
1: there? you know, it, uh, uh, I was very appreciative when people got that I had a point of view and it didn't make them feel like I was pushing them around. So the handsome, handsome young man playing my son, we had, he had never worked with Louise. Mm-hmm. And I took one look at him and I went, oh, you look like me. <laughs> he does. Brandon uh, I, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to play crushing on you. Like I have no boundaries because you look like me. And he went, got it, got it. Got it. <laughs> and you'll see in one, like, I think our second scene together, I, I, Beg him to be, you know, forgive me or whatever it is. And I intended to reach out and take him with both my arms and bring him close to me. But he's onto the shtick, right? So in character, he puts his hands up like, don't touch me. Do not. I am not feeling the hug, mom. It was really sweet, really nice. And uh, I I got some very nice responses, very uh, ecstatic fans of days of our lives were glad to know that Bill Hayes was the kind of guy who would sing, you know, uh, a song with my name in it to me uh, when the Red Red Robin Um, and... Behind him was Susan Seaforth, getting her makeup done, smiling into the mirror. She can see me. She can see the back of, of Bill. Like, that's my hubby. He's so adorable. Aww. He is. He's so sweet. He's so nice. But he's so kind. I didn't get to work with either of them. But I love, you know, her name is Susan Seaforth. She knows more about geography and history, and she's very modest. So I don't know if she's ever said, you know, if you are ever on, do you want to be a millionaire? And it's geography or seafaring stories, call me. I'm the one to call. But but she's so uh, – she has this poetic um, – feel for the sea, the ocean, Susan, seaforth. So they were just, it was such a pleasure to meet them. And of course, you know, on the magazine covers, I mean, they're iconic, a couple, and they actually got married. How divine, beautiful story. Absolutely. Beautiful. (sighs)
0: So, Robin, we're talking to you today in New York City. You were actually raised in New York City, and you were... Uh, trained at the Yale School of Drama. Uh, Did other classmates of yours go on to have big careers like you did?
1: Um, I'm going to take you back a little further. Let's roll it back a little further because I went to the high school for the performing arts. And um, that is a Public high school that you audition for, and if they think you're talented out of the thousands of kids who may audition, they accepted a hundred. So it was a big honor to be accepted. And there was a drama department, a music department, and a dance department. All right, I roll back. I'm going to say, Janet Margolin had a, a. a big career casting agents walked through the hallways and they picked that beautiful face. Sadly, she didn't live, live, uh, to become a middle-aged woman. She got cancer and died. Um, I was, there was a very small bathroom with a mirror and I decided that I was sort of a wuss and I was going to be uh, a bully if Liza Minnelli walked over to the sink to uh, look at herself in the mirror when I was already there. So Liza came over to the sink, and she's looking at herself, and I said, excuse me, I'm here. And she said, you don't own that sink. <laughs> it, you don't own that mirror. It doesn't matter. Of all the people to try out claiming a space I didn't deserve, I choose Liza with a Z. <laughs> 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 but everybody was, oh, so gossipy. You'll never guess. Liza Manelli is going to be, you know, and she was uh, a class behind me. So I was being an upperclassman jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Then I, um, from junior high school, no, from uh, from my junior year in high school, I auditioned for the Williamstown Summer Theater. And while I was... Williamstown Summer Theater was headed by Niko Sakharopoulos, a a Greek of great talent and wonder. He was just a great guy who never lost his Greek accent, you know. And um, he said, William, would you like to go to Yale? And I said, Yale Drama School? I said, I'm I'm in high school. He said, I can get you in as a special student. You leave it to me. And he did. He got me in as a special student. I was 17, and I lied and said I was 18. And I only spent a year there, and um, I couldn't afford even. I had a full tuition scholarship that Nikos got me. And I had chutzpah, so I went into the dean's office, and I said, can I also have a scholarship to cover my my dorm room? And he looks like, well, you sure got it? Yes. Okay. (laughs) But we still, we just didn't, she didn't have the dough. So I um, left after a year.
2: So, Robin, you made your soap debut in 1967, which is just amazing. Tell us what it was like working in daytime back then.
1: Uh, After Yale, uh, my one year at Yale, I got a job at a store that I don't even know if it still exists, Henry Bendel.
2: No, they just closed them.
1: Okay. Well, it was on 57th Street there, and it's pronounced... Henry Bendel. all right, and I got a job as a part-time sales girl, and I'm an actress, so I told them that I wanted to become a junior assistant buyer, that I wasn't an actress, and I was such a good sales girl that they offered me a job as a junior assistant buyer. But in the meantime, Bill Ball uh, was starting the American Conservatory Theater in Pittsburgh, and I auditioned for him, and I got that job. So I went to Pittsburgh, and now I'm getting geographically confused. Oh, yes, I left after the one season there, and I went to an audition to replace Jane Elliott. We're going to get to soapy people. Jane Elliott originated the role in uh, a play that I replaced her in. And now I'm forgetting the name of that. And um, I was backstage having gotten the job, uh, and I don't know what Jane went on to do, but from there, but I was... was, um, being sent on auditions, and I auditioned for Soap. I auditioned for Dark Shadows. I didn't get it. I auditioned for this, that, the other thing. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. So I went to one more audition, and it was for a show called Another World. And uh, I went back to the dressing room, and there were two or three of us sharing a dressing room. And I said, I don't know why I go to Soap auditions. I'm never going to be a soap uh, uh, on a soap. I'm not a soap type. I don't look like the type they hire. Wish my agent would stop sending me up. Ring, ring. The stage manager comes to my dressing room and says, Robin, there's a phone call for you. It's your agent. I just remembered that guy's name. Oh, God, selective amnesia. <laughs> Hello, John. What's up? He said... They're offering you a five-year contract on another world. I—I I about fainted. I'm on a payphone. Nobody had cell phones in their state. I'm in the, in the middle of a hall. I said, "What? What? A five-year a contract?" And. I went back to the dressing room, we screamed, we yelled, we did the whoopee-doo dance, and um, that was my first soap job, as Rachel on Another World. Now, I played that part for, I'm not sure, three years or something like that. Then I had the right to leave. I went to the West Coast, following my ex-husband, father of my two children, and no, I don't know. I'm confused. But Paul Roush was the um, was not the executive producer. He was the Procter and Gamble rep person, and he c- came to my house in Brooklyn. And begged me to continue, resume the role of uh, uh, Rachel. I kind of am messing up this story. I'm sorry. I have to check my own resume. <laughs> so I, I, was, I came back as Rachel on another world, but the next time I left, he found Victoria Wyndham, who then went on to play that part for 30 years, and she and I met on some publicity jaunt. And she was playing Rachel, and I was playing Dorian, and we were seated next to each other, and she couldn't have been more charming. She said, it doesn't matter how many years I play Rachel, they still come up to me and say, you know, I really loved Robin Strasser. <laughs> <Rachel>. <laughs> but she she laughed, and she was warm and so cool, really nice.
0: So. <clears throat> You played out Rachel revealing her pregnancy by Steve to Alice the night of Steve and Alice's engagement party which is was just one of the biggest bombshells ever on daytime TV to that point. Do you remember yeah. your experience that triangle was so huge um, that that taking off. And do you remember those scenes specifically of the engagement party?
1: OK, we're, we're back to Paul Roush. Now he's the executive producer on the show uh, of, of another world. And I came to him and I said, Paul, I'm pregnant in real life. And he said, how can you do this to the show?
2: Oh, that would totally uh, happen uh, today.
1: (laughs) It's an act of God, and you're Paul Roush. Okay, never mind. (laughs) So uh, I really got bigger and bigger and bigger because it's me, Robin. I'm pregnant, and I get huge. So there was no hiding it. And he gets frustrated, and he says, okay, I don't know when you're giving birth, but we're going to have to have you tell Alice that you're pregnant, and the the way the dynamic worked was, I think— Steve insults me, and I say, I'm going to go up and tell Alice. And Alice's room was up a flight of stairs, and I, I had to walk up that flight of stairs. Now, I'm really pregnant, and I'm huge, and I went up those stairs so fast. I got fan letters, and in those days, you actually got letters saying, I'm sorry. But no pregnant woman could ever go upstairs <laughs> that fast, right? And it was so long ago that Procter and Gamble, in your contract, it said they owned your mail. And now people say that's against the law. Well, that was back in 1965, 66, and it was in our contracts. Procter and Gamble owns your mail. They get to read it first. They, you know, you would see where somebody had used a letter opener to cut it open. They read it. They call it. There were no focus groups then, so they would read each letter, and they would, I think, estimate that each letter was ten thousand viewers that didn't bother to write you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they would open the mail, and and and. Yeah, I read that you could not possibly be pregnant because no pregnant woman could go up the stairs that fast. <laughs> Little oh, yeah. did they oh, know. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and how was it working with George Reinhold and Jackie Courtney?
1: I I adored them both. Oh, gosh, some emotion is coming up. Because they both are no longer on the planet, they, they passed too soon. Mm-hmm. George was um, a wild man. His acting is flawless. I was just watching some Stephen Alice scenes. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. So divine. So after he had left the show, he called me. I, I, I can't quite place it, but he called me some 10, 20 years later, Robin. Robin, I want to get back into acting. What should I do? I said, George. Everybody knows you're a wild man. Why don't you contact everybody and say, "I was wild then, and this is now." Can I come and have a meeting with you? <laughs> so, God bless him. You know, he w- he was a wonderful man, and it would have been. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. It would have been marvelous to see that energy now, and Jackie. You know, with 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 with. You know, nobody could cry and look pretty better than Jackie Courtney. She was like, you know, they said, can you cry uh, at this point? And she said, which eye? You know, (laughs) uh, she was amazing. But I once needed her, um... Years later, when I was in a very potentially dangerous situation, I said, Jackie, I need you. And she got into her powder blue convertible Mercedes, drove from New Jersey across, I don't know how many bridges or whatever. However, she pulled up to my Upper East Side house, and off we went in her powder blue Mercedes. Loved her dearly.
2: Wow. Wow. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. <sighs> True right. story. Thank you for asking that question.
2: Um, all right. So you, you
0: followed up Rachel on Another World with um, the role of Christina on All My Children. You were there right. for, for three years. What stands out to you about the three years that you spent in Pine Valley and the people that you worked with there?
1: Um, another person I love and owe so much to and— as do thousands and thousands of people, is the great Agnes Nixon. And um, Agnes had chosen me when she was uh, as Rachel. You know, she said, that's the actress I, I want, that one. She reminds me of Anna Magnani. They'll have to Google. Nobody knows who Anna Magnani is. So I... I uh, now, now I've left um, uh, another world. I'm in California, and I get a call. Agnes Nixon wants to create a part for you on All My Children. Okay, uh, what is? Oh no! First, it was a replacement part. That's right. They want me to play Kathy with a C. And I said, the last time Kathy was seen, she was a hand reaching into a crib to steal a baby. I said, no, I please thank Agnes for thinking of me. But no, 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 no. Uh, and then they called and said, Agnes is creating a part for you. And she sent the name of the character. And I think her name was going to be something like Gail, Gail something. And I spoke to her, and I said, Agnes, couldn't I have a name with a little bit of, uh, uh, I don't know, ethnicity to it, undefinable ethnicity? She said, well, I chose Gail because I want you to be like a wind blowing into town. Hmm. I said, okay. So she ended up being Christina Karras, K-A-R-R-A-S. And Agnes wrote this character who was haunted. She was seeing her dead father's ghost, which I have to say because she said it to me. She has psychic ability. She, she can watch the screen and tell things about that are in your subtext or in your mind, and she picks up on them. And I always felt that by not going to find my biological father, me, Robin, that I somehow caused his death. I did. And so she does that with Christina. But what I couldn't stand was from the get-go, Christina's on the show, and somebody had a child that was born with, uh, uh, with mental handicaps. And Christina Karras, doctor, says, Let's put it in a home while it's young. I, I I went to the producer's office, I begged them. I called Agnes. I begged them. Please, I will never adopt this character. See, I feel an actor has to adopt a character. You gotta you gotta kinda own it. You gotta if it was real estate, you've gotta you've gotta take title to it. You know, it's yours. I said I will never ever respect her for suggesting that people turn over an infant child to an institution. I'll never, you know, and I wasn't threatening to, I wasn't. I knew that that would be my truth. So as soon as I was able to leave the show, which I think was only two years later, I gave them my notice. Immediately, as soon as I gave my notice that I was leaving, I got a call from Mary Jo Slater who is the casting director at um, uh, One Life to Live, and she said, Robin, I want you to go over and meet Joe Stewart. Uh, Claire Malice is leaving One Life to Live. She wants to. She's fallen in love with a really gorgeous guy, she says. Mary Slater and I were buds, too. (laughs) We were buddies. And I I think she put me in that play that I replaced uh, 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 Jane Elliott in. So I I crossed the street, you know, because uh, uh, all my children's studio was on West End Avenue. No, 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 on Broadway then. And uh, I went into the Armory building, which is on 66th Street. And I go up the stairs to meet Joe Stewart. He said, "So, why are you leaving all my children?" I said, "Because it's a very dark character. She's 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 unlikable. I don't I don't I I just don't." He said, "Well, I don't suppose you'd be interested in playing Dorian, then?" I said, "Not oh. so fast." <laughs> Not so fast. He said, oh? I said, yeah. Would you be willing to make her enjoy her money? I said, I, who doesn't love Claire Malice? But if I see one more twin sweater set, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to just puke, you know, enough with the with the respectable, you know, Oh, she was so tweedy, so understated. I said, "No, no, no! It's got to be opulence. People want to see rich people mess up. So I'm, I'm ready to mess up. But you got to, you got costumes, jewelry, at home, hairdressers, massages. He's taking notes now. He's taking notes, and um, it's a huge office." that he had at, 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 um, on 66th Street in the Armory Building. He's taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. Then he paused and he looks up and he wore little half glasses and he looks over them and he said, now I understand from all my children, you're a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> at which point I started to cry. I wasn't manipulating him. I was in the middle of a divorce. I really needed a job. It took some kind of cojones that I didn't even know I had to say, no, I'm not going to be on all my children because the part is so sad, makes me feel so sad. And he was throwing me a lifeline, you know, but when he just said, you're a pain in the ass, they say, I just started bawling. I, I, I couldn't stop. I mean, he was—he he was a—he he was, was a character, you know. He would walk through that studio, and f- when he directed, he could get the show done in—you in, know—so fast because everybody was an executive producer, and he knew what he was doing. And he said, "Move the camera here, move the camera there," and he was fabulous, you know. But he was strict, man. He was one of those tough guys that he liked rescuing people. And I needed a rescue. I mean, he got up and he brought me a box of tissues. Bless his soul. Yeah. You
0: and Erica Slayzak played so many memorable Vicky Dorian storylines over the years. Is there one that stands out as a favorite?
1: Michael Malone wrote uh, a story arc where Vicky and Dorian get locked up together. You want to make money. And get ratings on One Life to Live, you lock up Dorian and Vicky. With who Doesn't matter who locks up who, what <laughs> room we're in, lock us up together and the two of us have a partnership that is golden, that I treasure
0: so much. One of my favorite so, storylines of all time. I just have to interject. Oh,
1: so she and I do this amazingly long arc and Linda Gottlieb comes down from her office and says, that was magnificent. That was wonderful. And 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 I thought, and I didn't say it, thank goodness. I went, okay, the, the genie's out of the bottle. She's let, she, she, the, the cork is out. She, I'm out. I'm sailing. She's letting She's Dorian be Dorian. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're going to get my Dorian.
0: Yeah. So, Robin, as we reflect back on, like, your amazing career as a whole, what does it mean to you to be having this conversation in 2019 and you're back on days, you're back in daytime, you're still working? It's really remarkable.
1: Uh, It's a a miracle for which I am so grateful. One Life to Live went off in 2011, and the Prospect Park effort was – very small. I got maybe 12 episodes done, you know, and it was over. So I really count. Yeah. Okay. So I haven't worked at all since 2013. Not at all. I said to Teo Penglis, I was feeling so lonely, so isolated, so blue. I wanted to figure out how I could volunteer for jury duty. He just laughed. You know, but if they did call again, if Days of Our Lives honored me with it, I'd call Louise right away. I would. If I'm repeating myself, forgive me, but I would. I would. I would. I would say, Lulu, honey, they're calling. Do you want it? And she'll say yes or no. And Lulu rules. You know, I'm loyal to my girlfriends. I'm loyal. Right. If she if she wants it. I ain't saying yes, and if she's still leading her elegant life and going off to Rome and has an invitation to go to Mykonos or blah, 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 she's very nice. My mom does not like any of my friends, so my mom passed away while I was on shooting those 15 episodes, and it was, you know, I, I, I tried not to tell people. Not to, not to, not to, uh, until um, it turned out that she had signed documents incorrectly. She didn't want me notified that she had passed, but she got the documentation wrong, and I needed to get help downloading the documents, and then whatever, and... Publicity Department at Days of Our Lives helped me with the documents. And then I went over to a UPS store where they notarized them, and then I did this and I did that. And just amen, thank you to the Days of Our Lives, uh, people that knew about it and supported me. But anyway, back when Mom was alive, I said that summer when, I said, Mom, Louise Sorrell is coming to visit me. She's coming to visit me. And mom said, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I said, you know, she she was on Days of Our Lives. And my mom went, oh, your friend that has a talent for making friends. (laughs) And I went, yeah, right, that girl, that girl. (laughs) That's a nice way to be known you know and 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 she does because louise when we were sitting at lunch she said well you know i went and visited your mother at her house in ohio i bought my mother a house in ohio o j a i i said you went to visit my mother she said yes i was driving through town and i could see that i was passing her house so i pulled in and i said and 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 out she came, and she, you know, is that sweet? That's so, very when I sweet. got back to town, I um uh always would sign my mom up for any museum membership that I got. So, I wanted to go to the frick f r i c k, it's a the Frick was a was a uh, a great robber baron of epic proportion, and he built a beautiful, beautiful mansion. And it's now a gorgeous museum. And it's four blocks away. It's very close to Louise's uh, condo. And so uh, they said to me, uh, "Do you still want Anne to be the other member?" I said, "No, make it." Louise Sorrell. Oh. So I shot her an email and I said, Louise, you can go to the Frick Museum and, you know, they think you live at my house, but <laughs> you're welcome anytime. But my mom passed away and she didn't know my mom had passed away. Oh. I said, yeah, March 3rd. Oh, and she wrote something lovely because she's just lovely.
2: Well, that's a lovely tribute to both your mom and Louise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today. It was
1: such a fun chat. My pleasure. Isn't it a shame that I run out of stories to tell you? Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, la, 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 la. <laughs> you
2: must be a wonderful dinner party guest.
1: Oh, no, I live alone, and my dog falls asleep now when I talk out loud. So <laughs> I, I need real people to talk to. So thank you Noted. for taking the time. Thank you for supporting Days of Our Lives. Remember, everybody, support the four. There will be more. Oh, support mm, the bet. four. There will be more. If these four don't stay on the air, we're screwed, okay? So if you loved one life to live, you loved all my children, please don't be abstinent watch Days of Our Lives. And, okay, the other three, too.
0: Uh, fair <laughs> enough.
1: I okay. Thanks, Robin. Thank you. Have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, Robin. Bye-bye. You, too. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Robin Strasser for being our guest. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.